the diagnosis was bad. And every time I listened to a doctor, you're going to have to find a new way to communicate. I was listening to that garbage and thinking, how can I drown that out? Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together we will break the stigma one story at a time. And mental health together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. You can access thousands of therapists one click away. Go check out BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Get 10% off your first month. Start your wellness now. Before we jump into today's episode, I would like to introduce to you a new package that I have out there for listeners that want to change something in their life. They might feel stuck, they might feel not inspired or a lack of motivation, and they know that where they are now is just not good enough and they want a little bit more. They're not sure what it is. They might be in a fog, they might be in a lack of inspiration, or they just need some clarity. This package is eight one-on-one sessions with me and I'm going to gift you in these sessions a specific custom-made program for you and your life and anything that's going on in your life using the tools that I incorporated in my healing and my journey that I incorporate every single day in my life with challenges. We're going to talk about gratitude, we're going to talk about acceptance, radical acceptance, forgiveness, and what it means to live in a positive mindset. If you want to hear more about this program, go to my website, hopetorecharge.com. You'll see link in the show notes. It's called Gift of Light. Don't miss out. It's limited time just for the holiday season now. I'm gifting a few of these away. So go check it out and see if this is something you want to gift yourself. In this episode, I have a returning guest, Paul Cummings, a friend of mine, Andy Heck, sent me a book about setting goals and mindset, and it was called It All Matters, and the author was Paul Cummings. He was a world-renowned speaker, traveling the world, hundreds of thousands of students, teaching them how to implement your life on a higher level, how to achieve your goals, how to set your goals, mindset, surroundings, boundaries. One day he came back from one of his speaking engagements from somewhere in the world. He suffered a stroke. He lost his ability to speak, write, or read. In a second, you are going to hear the power of resilience. Doctors telling him he will never speak again. He will never read again. He will never write again. He is teaching other people that are suffering from aphasia how to speak again. Enjoy. When I uh, had my stroke, the one thing I wanted to do more than talk I wanted to write, and I'm going to tell you why. Your worst ink pen is better than your best memory. So write it down. So for me to get better and talk again, I had to be able to answer questions. To be able to answer questions, my mind was all a blur, had motor praxia, had aphasia, 
had this arthia, never talk again, never read it again, never write it again. That's what the doctor said. But I had to be able to write so I could answer questions, so I could practice, so I could get better. So I focused on writing first. And people didn't have no understanding of what I did, but I wanted to write first. Regardless of what happens to you in life, whether you're a successful businessman or woman or teenager, all people need a coach. Tiger Woods needed the coach. Michael Jordan needed a coach. Pavarotti needed a coach. And he had many coaches, many vocal teachers. It just didn't happen. But when you find a coach, so I found many. Christina was my first one speech therapist. She was a godsend, sent for me to talk to me by God. I believe that. So great for for her. And she gave me this book, 40,000 words. 40,000 words. I wrote them all. And how long? Over the last two and a half years, I learned to say all those words. But you had to first write them down. I couldn't write. So I traced the words. I would look at that image as tracing. B-A-T-H. You had no idea what a B was. I didn't even know what that was. So you went back to being a three-year-old in your mind. I don't know my ABCs. I don't know what they look like. You were literally less than a three-year-old. Infant. Yeah, an infant. Uh, Christina taught me how to... Form the syllable so I could say and I started with that. How many days would you do that? 14 hours a day, nonstop. And um, I've never shown anybody this. I have 17 journals like this, 17 full writing pads. That's my first A, B, C, D. Every day. Every day. Still doing it every day. Get up at four, say my affirmation, say my creed, pray, do meditation, and practice. I'm now teaching people to uh, learn to speak again. Imagine that. A guy with aphasia teaching people with aphasia how to talk again because you broke you broke the stigma against aphasia I and did. you said i and i refuse to get the death sentence i refuse to take upon myself the death sentence of i'm never going to speak again i'm never going to write again i'm never going to read again i refuse and your mother whispering into your ear was your biggest first step a journey of a thousand miles begins by a first step she pushed you to take the first step. Although that thought came in my mind, you can't think yourself to greatness. You have to take action. The thought had become an action. Every day I would just learn a syllable, a word, anything that I could learn that would somehow give me a glimpse of progress. That was so important for me to do that and um, determine what your music is in life. For me, learning to talk, learning to read, learning to write, paint, was all the things I wanted to do again. So I turned my music up to level 10. 
You have to determine what your special gift is and turn your music up. No one has the dial but you. If you turn it down to three, you're cutting 70% of your capacity. If you turn it up to five, you're operating half, half capacity. Why? How many kids you have? Five. Five kids. Me too. I can't imagine anything worse than my son hanging out with his friends and said, how's your dad? How's he been? Oh, he's about a level five. I want my kids to say, you know, my dad is a level 10 dad. Present, intentional, aware. Um, but that's your choice. And that brings me to my second point. You have to plant positive seeds uh, in your mind for the garden to grow. You have a choice whether you plant weeds or seeds. Just pick. When my mom called me every day, every day, and encouraged me when I was only listening to the words she said. Because you couldn't speak. One, 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 one. That's all I could say. I doubled my vocabulary when my son brought me a pre-K kindergarten book, and I learned to say sock, one sock, one sock, one sock. But I believe that was, that was a defining moment in my life, that one sock, because I knew if I could double my vocabulary from one to sock, one sock, I could double it again again and again and again and again, all told about 30,000 words that I can say some better than others, but I'm talking again, you know. I want to just um, go back for a second to give the audience a little bit of a background on your mindset. You always taught mindset. You had speeches around the world, Australia, America, all over. You, you were booked up years in advance to come speak to corporate world, business world, Fortune 500 companies to speak to them about mindset, goal setting, removing obstacles, not being a victim, setting a goal, achieving it, moving forward, pivoting. This was your language. This is what people paid you. And that's how you became very wealthy and successful. And that's why you have a beautiful life to show for that, right? What happens is that in a second of the stroke, and literally a second, you were sitting on the couch, boom, the stroke happened. Yep. You lost the entire capability to deliver everything that you had in your brain. There was yep. no more bridge between your brain and the people. There was nothing. The bridge was gone. And you said, I have this knowledge in my brain. I taught it to thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world. I'm going to reteach it to myself and I'm going to use the same fundamentals of succeeding in business, of succeeding in relationships and succeeding in your health and anything. I'm going to do the same thing with my speaking and I'm not going to let the obstacles oh, yeah. stop me from moving forward. And I'm going to do one obstacle at a time. You know, I am writing a new book. I'm going to finish it May 13th. 2021 is the three-year anniversary of my stroke. The stroke didn't get the memo. That's the title. Because if I listen to anybody, the, I'm telling you, the diagnosis was bad. And every time I listen to a doctor, you're going to have to find a new way to communicate. I'm telling you, 
I was listening to that garbage and thinking, how can I drown that out? Because that noise is getting in my headspace and affecting my children. I could hear them whispering in the hall. Daddy is, um, he's so, he's so bad. And they were concerned about me because I had been this effervescent personality teaching all, all I want to do is teach. That's it. Right. Teach. Not train. Teach. Teaching is hard work, not hard work. Training is hard work. I don't train. I teach. But my kids were scared to death that somehow, some way, that resilience that I had beating in my soul, beating in every ounce of my blood is lost. They didn't understand. So they were scared. I was going to be so depressed, so angry, so mad that I couldn't talk. And I was for about a month because I wanted to, I wanted to, somebody to get out of my way and let me do the work. I couldn't communicate that. But my spirit was boom, boom, boom. So I was even more dedicated to protecting my mindset when I got through that first month of understanding about what aphasia was, what murderapraxia was, what dysarthria was. So when I found out, I immediately went to study neuroplasticity. I learned everything about it. How? How were you learning uh, if you couldn't read? I had audio books that I downloaded and I could listen to. So you have anything in your mind and you're like, get out of my way. Get out of my way. I don't need your help. I don't need you to tell me what I can do. I want to start working. But how did you say, okay, get me a speech therapy. Get me the audio books. How did you do that? I had a speech therapist named Christina. How did she come to you? I was qualified for 15 speech lessons that I uh, buy my insurance. But she came as a gift from God. She wrote down, do the research, neuroplasticity, neuroscience, mindset, all these things. So my son made a file so I could paste and search, paste and search, paste and search. And you had no idea what you're pasting because you can't read. Exactly. So how did you know what to click? Well, when I got to the article, I just printed neuroplasticity print and somebody ordered me the audio books. I want this. I want this. I would say one, one, one. I want this. I want this. And with uh, about six weeks in, I taught myself to write. What? Yep. Six weeks so fast? Because you did it how many days a week? How many days and how many hours a day did you write? 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I remember writing this. I will be headstrong whether you like it or not. Wow. <laughs> All this, I began to write. That was on June 21st, 2018. I had my stroke on May. May 13th. So I wrote my first sentence. Although misspelled a lot, I wrote my first full sentence. In order to achieve the greatness in life, you must have a goal, do the work. 
That was my first sentence. So what one of the things that they taught you with the neuroplasticity is that because the knowledge was there, it's much faster. If you do the work, you're recovering it. It's not relearning, it's recovering its real way. So, Because how quickly did you write that? No two-year-old can write so fast. It's, um, it's not exactly like, like that. It's real assembling the words. I still struggle with, for instance, for you and I to have a two-way conversation, you have no idea. Because I have to, first, first of all, I have to focus on your lips to understand you. So when many people are standing around, that's all noise to me, still today. Yeah. Uh, the hardest words to say are I, me, my, of. Think about it. How did you learn to say that? Because you grow up, your parents said, get this, get that. It was learned by association. Nobody sat down and said, I'm going to teach you how to say I. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. Teach you how to say me. I'm going to teach you how to say of. I had to learn that. That was the hardest thing. I could say multisyllabatic words before I could say I. Anybody that has aphasia would tell you that that is the hardest word. So I came up with a system called buddy words. To go as one syllable, to go. So you were fooling your brain in a way. Yes, building new uh, pathways on the right side of my brain. Mm -hmm. And I do it by this. And I just taught a speech therapy session today to a young woman called Casey that had a stroke, four children at 30. One, three, five, and eight. And her mother sat by her and cried her eyes out because she's learning to talk again. After all this time, she's learning to talk again. And I did it this way. So if you have something you want to say, this has a lot to do with resilience. So I wanted to learn connector phrases. By the way, tell me, in fact, of course, certainly, considering. So I viewed that as a bridge to get me to other communications. So I said it like this. By the way, by the way, bang me way, by the way. So I shouted it, whispered it, talked in a funny voice and sang it over and over again. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me over and over and over till I built a corded pathway in my mind. You have to give the mind more ways to search on the right side of the brain so you can build corded pathways so you can develop recall. So I could say, by the way, I will be glad to take this speech on if you can schedule it when it's convenient for me. All of that that I just said is memorized in little bitty fragments that I assembled together in real time. I have to think of everything I'm going to say in real time and pray to God I don't get interrupted. And if I do, I have to start over. So 
My communication today is a series of learned phrases that I can combine from multiple sources. For instance, I was just booked for my first, look, I'm so proud that I, I, my first speech in the automotive industry is Cox Automotive National Convention Virtual, and they paid me my original fee, by the way. Well, I had them write the uh, check to my charity. I'm going to get it all the way and teach other people that don't have the means to talk anyway. But they hired me, and, and the lady, uh, three people on a Zoom call, he said, if we decide to do this, what would you propose that you would say? I said, huh. Well, since you hadn't told me anything about your company, pick a word. She said, any word? I said, any word. And she said, vision. And I said, quote or story? She looked at me like I was crazy. I said, quote or story? And she said, quote. I said, in order to have a clearly divine vision, you have to be compelled by the vision, Bill Gates. And she said, passion, okay? I said, quote, or story. She said, quote, passion prevails when everything else fails. She said, enthusiasm, quote, enthusiasm is an inside reflection with a an outside feeling, it comes from the word entheos. It means spirit within God-like. And she said, okay, who's holding cards for you? <laughs> and I did this. I took the camera around. I said, nobody. And she said, go back. Can you tell me a story about passion? I said, I sure can. You know where passion came from. A 16th century philosopher said, in order to say what you need to say, you have to pass it on with great feeling and enthusiasm. Pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. P-A-S-S-I pulled the cross out, O-N, passion. That's where it comes from. And the lady, she said, uh, do it. Uh, do you have any questions? I said, and she, uh, oh, the audience members said, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so I passed that test. So I've been working on, my strength was I had a great memory. And I, I could read one book, never forget it. I could tell you what was on page 41. Photographic? Probably. So I had, oh, 10,000 stories that I could tell without memory, and I could, oh, uh, 30,000 quotes in my mind, and I never walked to a stage without a note in my hand, never did. I just, I got up, and I would have five key words, and I would teach, you know. Everything starts with stories, you know that, you know. Did all your memory stay after the stroke? Did you have all the knowledge there? Yeah. You just had to find the bridge to bring it to your mouth and yeah. let it out. I'm still working on that, but I had to build bridges that notified me that that's what I wanted. So I, I 
look, I took uh, enthusiasm. I said, write down all the quotes I know about enthusiasm. So slowly wrote it. And then the stories came present. Oh, I remember that story. Oh, I remember that in Theos. Oh, I remember that story I told about in Theos. All of a sudden, it calculated my lost memory and correlated it in real time. And I'm working on that every day. But I'm telling you, uh, Montana, I, I just, um, I have so much work to do. But I, uh, you know, I, I just don't want to uh, quit. Um, my best work is ahead of me. Uh, I've done more. I am so proud of the people that I'm currently uh, helping to talk again. For instance, I took, she has four little girls, all E-words. Evie is one of her, her girls. And I said, when we were last time together, I taught you to say, I love you, Evie. I miss you, Evie. Can I give you a hug? She had not been able to tell her children I love them in over a year. The first thing that I taught her was the thing she was most passionate about. And I said, how was that? She instantly started crying. And I said, happy tears? And she said, yes, 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 happy tears. And um, I, I taught her to uh, buddy words. And I uh, have been uh, so thankful just to get to teach again. But it's more important than that. If you can imagine your loss of communication, all gone. And you know how you love to talk. And I know... Ari loves to talk. If you can imagine, if I had to take your mouth shut 24 hours and you could hear everything that was said, and you want to talk so bad, the words just won't come out. You can never tell another story. You can never interact with your family. You can never answer a question. All the fun things about communication, laughter with your friends, um, understanding your friends, all of it gone. Just trapped in the prisoner that becomes your mind. But it doesn't have to be that way. Recovery is possible. Do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. I use my fear as my fuel. How? Well, I was scared to death about not talking. I transformed my fear to fuel. To passion. It was high octane fuel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was uh, burning bright and all systems on go. I just couldn't get enough of it. Paul, one of the things that people keep on asking me, and it's something that you do every single day, and I think it really shows recovery from whatever it is. If it's from a car accident, if it's from a death, a loved one, if it's from depression, from anxiety, from aphasia, from anything, you taught me that showing up, resilience, really, because when you don't see the progress, that's when resilience has to come in. You don't build a muscle in a day. No. I believe that the fact that I did exactly that brought me more energy, more ability to learn, 
in a quicker, more rapid fashion, energy in, the mind was born, born to chase goals down, born to be vibrant, not born to be stagnant. Alzheimer's, dementia, that's what happens to people. They quit exploring their possibilities and they sit. I believe that. So whatever they told me to do, I did exactly the opposite. But your gift was that you were teaching it for years and you knew, you knew if you weren't teaching goal setting and mindset and positivity and all these things that was part of your existence, you wouldn't, you would be like every other aphasia guy, just a victim and trapped and not moving forward. I will never forget the the stick stick when uh, Christine sat down. She said, good to meet you, Mr. Cummings. I didn't like that. I wanted to say Paul, but I couldn't. I said, one, one, one. Mm -hmm. She said, I have one question. Do you want to speak again? He said, let me tell you a little story. Everybody says that. And I'm going to give you this. She left it with me. Didn't say one word about how I should use this. Just left it with me. And she said, the fact of the matter is, when you have aphasia, only 25% practice longer than six months. They give up after six months. You know why? You can't learn to talk in 15, 50 minutes sessions. That's all insurance pays for. That's it. You can't learn to talk again from scratch as a 61-year-old man. You can't do it. I have was blessed that I got to go into an intensive uh, uh, aphasia clinic. Anyway, the really important thing, when she came back, I had traced this first group of words. And she said, did you write that? I just nodded my head. How long did it take you? And I just smiled. And she said, did you go to sleep? She still uses my videos to encourage everybody that she's currently uh, teaching speech therapy, this guy could say one word when I met him. She has a voicemail. When I called to set my appointment, that was unrecognizable. I listened to it all the time. I wanted to say my creed, and I pointed to it in a book, and that I wanted to say that. The first time I called her, I was so proud you couldn't understand. I thought I said every word. In my mind, I did. But my mind was trying to fragment those words. Slowly, surely. It's just running all together. So I had to separate, pause, cadence, inflection. I hear by Promise, I hereby promise, I hereby promise to manifest the personal greatness I know lies within me. That's the same thing I just said a minute ago. Your mind didn't know that no one can understand you? You thought everybody Yes. Why? You don't hear it? You don't hear it coming out? I was talking. I was saying one, 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 one. I was making progress. I Yes. In my mind, I was pretty good. (laughs) It just 
relentless resilience, practice, just eating up with it. Not giving up, not giving up. Not giving up, not giving in, never get out. You know, you're going to get on the struggle bus. I do. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not be okay sometimes. But when it comes to the first stop, get off the bus. Don't go all the way, uh, you know, and end up the, the uh, do-nothing diner. One of the One of the things that I often, and you say this a lot, one of the things that I worked with my coach, you always say about coaches, right? I And I, I hired a coach specifically for my podcast. I have a different coach for my life coach, but I have a specific coach for my podcast because I wanted a complete fresh. I believe that you need different coaches for different things. And I'm very pro coaches. And um, we'll go into a whole different conversation. What's the difference between coaching and therapy? They're completely different. It's like saying, what's the difference between um, a, a cook and a baker? Yes, they both produce food, but they're completely different. Okay. Anyway, and one of the things that I worked with my coach on is to really handpick the people that I'm willing to spend my time with that want it so badly because there are very few people that are willing to have the that have the resilience and the willpower to want it so badly to be able to have that grit that it takes mm-hmm. in order to keep showing up when you don't see the results yet It's easy to continue when you see results. It's the resilience when you don't see results. And I realized that when I was, I was doing a disservice for people, for holding space for them, for being okay, being the victim versus saying, I refuse to spend my time with someone that doesn't want it enough because there's enough people there that want it enough. Uh, I'm going to tell tell you in real time, I don't know if I can do it, you just prompted a quote in my mind, I will refuse to associate with anyone that expresses negativity for the rest of my life, no matter how long it takes. You know, I just, I had that goal. If I sensed a person that was seriously negative. You know, a negative uh, person brightens up the room only when they leave. So open the doors and let them out. Is that your quote? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love, I'm, by the way, I'm making a meme and I'm sending it to you with with your picture. Okay. That is fabulous. That is just true. Yes. It's yes. true. And in order for you to have the resilience, you couldn't have the distractions of negative exactly. people in your in your energy, in your vicinity. Get away. If you're not going to motivate me or be positive with me, just leave. Well, I had to because it was uh, everybody. I, you know, I, I'm sorry to say this, but everybody came to see me and said, and they were talking about like in front of me, poor Paul. Brighten up the room when you leave, please. You're casting a shadow on my enthusiasm. I love that. And people are going to say, where's his empathy? No, it's boundaries. (laughs) It's boundaries, right, Paul? It's boundaries. You know, uh, it would be like you have a friend that comes in your house and brings a dog, right? Mm -hmm. 
you have a beautiful home. Imagine this. I come yeah. into your house, bring a dog, and I let him crap all over your carpet. Are you going to sit there and say, oh, oh that's nice okay. Smell. Nice smell. <laughs> Fragrant. Just leave it. I'll, I'll pick up after your, your, and your dog. No way. Get out of my house. <laughs> Brighten up the room when you leave. Oh, Paul. I'm going to use that now all Good. the time. I love that. But I want people to understand that we're not make we're not mocking people that are down. It's it's the difference between being negative and down. Very different. Very very different. Especially somebody like you that was so passionate on moving forward. Don't feel bad for me if I'm not feeling sorry for myself. If I need empathy, I'll come to you. And I tell you something, I'm telling you, I was caught in the spiral of depression, anger, sadness, loneliness. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was struggling on my own. I didn't need them to reinforce my struggle. Yeah, you were fighting your own. I was fighting a battle every day, every time, without fail, no exceptions. I was lost till my mom talked some sense into me. And on a phone call, she said, son, you have the ability to do anything, but you have to do the work. And that was just resonating in my mind. You know, when I lost my mom and dad back to back, 66 years they were married. My dad died on May 19th. My mother died on June 13th, a year and a month after I had my stroke at the same time. But I was holding her hand when she passed. Right. And I'm telling you, that had more of an effect on me than my stroke. But the difference between therapy and a coach, I had a great therapist, Jewish, by the way, Dr. S, because I can't say his last name, Dr. S. And he, I was visited with uh, about my uh, the death of my parents. He stopped me in my track. I was enjoying going through the grieving process. I knew you have to find denial, acceptance, blah, blah, blah. He said, stop. Remember the good time. Reflect on how it made you feel and rejoice that you had them for so long. Everything's changed. In an instant, therapy, good therapy. Rejoice, reflect, remember. I teach that all the time now. Right. When people don't have the grit that you were building for years, because this was your industry. Mm -hmm. So you were gifted because God gave you a platform that you remembered. Now, so an average person, an average person doesn't know as much as you know about goal setting, resilience, repetition, trying over, committing to a process, taking the first steps, research. What do people do in order to keep that desire to accomplish the goal when they're not seeing the results and they really don't know what you know? Like, what would you tell an average person? Uh, well, first of all, I would preach God's delays are not God's denials. Oh, wow. God has a sense of time in that it's better left he be in charge. He knows when it's time. You just have to do the work. So what I would teach them is ask four questions only. What do you really want? Do you want to 
be unable to talk for the rest of your life, or if you lost your job, you want to be broke for the rest of your life, what do you really want? What's the meaning of your life? I like asking simple questions. <laughs> Very. And if you had to look your name up in the dictionary and you could only describe it as four attributes, what would it say? So that means four core values that you want to stand by. What would it say? Mm -hmm. And then live to your values. That's it. What's the meaning of your life? For me, it was simple. Changing lives through dynamic instruction. Nothing back, just teach. Mm -hmm. And live to your values. And that makes the dash in between the starting date and the completion date so much better. So if someone says to you, but I don't know how to get there, you have the money, you know, the, the oh, yeah. I get... I get, well, you're different. You had support. You have a family. You have the money. You have everything, and I don't have anything. I started with a $75 brochure with 22 misspelled words in it. $75. 75 I have no formal education at all. I went to Screw You University, got a doctorate degree. I was poor, PhD, poor, hungry, and driven. Excuses remind me of reason to quit. So I don't listen to, uh, if you want to get me fired up, make an excuse. But I know that it's something in my core. I get fired up because I guess I gave myself excuses so many years and I came in my own way. So I know that part of me getting all upset and frustrated and like when I hear excuses is because I don't want them to go through my path that took me so long. Like, I'm just telling you, get the excuses out because they're going to hold you back. I would just sit down and say, this 10-step goal formula would help. See the goal in your mind's eye. If it's, you know, you know. And Ari watches this. All Every morning, we know it by heart. We know it by heart. See the goal in your mind's eye. What's number, number two? I don't know. I don't know. No, Ari. I, no, I, Ari will know it. I'll. Bring, you know what? I wish I could bring him on here. Write it down. See Starting the, date and completion date. Resolve yourself to pay the price. See the obstacles in advance. The benefits must outweigh the concern. Keep yourself on a straight track. Be flexible in approach. Write a well-defined action plan and take massive action now. Right. I'm wondering always, you always talk with your, your hands. Is it because that's the way your mind remembers yeah. things? Well, I taught that in a way that people wouldn't forget it. Uh, see the minds, see it in your mind's eye. It, it already real. Write it down as an I will statement. So I just use body anchors to teach it in a fun way. But what would you say to someone that says, I, I did so much, I'm tired of trying, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I know I want to feel better. I know I want to end a relationship. I know I want to change my job. I know I want to be happier. I know I have too much anxiety. All the I knows, and I, I know it's not good for me. I want to heal it badly. 
I've tried so much. It's not working. I'm stuck. What now? Change is awkward at best, but I would tell them, uh, have you been carrying that shovel around with you long? And they would say, I don't have a shovel. You obviously do. A rut is a grave with both ends dug out. That's what it is. Whenever you say something that's like, wow, I write it down and I put a Paul Cummings on the side. And you also showed us that when we were visiting you, you showed us a diagram of the circle. And one of the things that I learned the most, you said, do your research, do your research, do your research, do your research more, try, then go back again and do your research and then do a little bit more research, right? <laughs> learn, learn, like keep on trying and learn and evolve. You won't figure it out right away. No, I, I think some of the best things I've learned was relearning. The best part of learning is relearning because when you live a little bit more and you go study the subject again, aka relearn, you have a different perspective and you're able to glean more wisdom from relearning than learning. It's so true, but that takes resilience. I believe the, the one thing that you can't teach, I wish you could, grit. Is something rare and uncommon. Grit keeps you up late at nights, uh, keeps you up getting up at two in the morning and writing things down like I did this morning. Um, when I wrote that menu for success, that was one of the greatest things I've ever written in my life. And I wrote that this week and uh, at two in the morning and to help People have a menu that they can overcome triggers that are affecting them greatly. Yeah. And it just came to me like this. So um, sometimes you just have to stay aware of what your feelings. Ask another better question. If you don't figure it out, ask another better question. Question up your life. Think up your life. People talk about thinking better. The only way you can think bigger is to question up and think up. Paul, are you the like the first person that has succeeded so fast with speaking after a stroke and aphasia in such a short time? Are you like a shock to the medical industry? Well, I, I think so. And somebody said he surely didn't have aphasia. That's common because people tend to hear me talk and say, man, he just had his stroke two and a half years ago. There's no good side of aphasia. There's no bad side of aphasia. Everybody, if you meet one person with aphasia, you've met one person with aphasia. They're all different. What worked for me mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily work for someone else. Prime example, if I say, you need to practice this, need to take a five-minute break, one minute of breathing, take a walk for three minutes, drink water, sit down, practice again for 10 minutes. The odds of that happening is slam and none. Just one simple instruction. The odds of that's because of grit. You either got it or you don't. You want to talk or you don't. 
you want to be successful or you don't. And I can't make people want to be successful. So sometimes people say, man, he was a, a speaker. He had a mild case of aphasia. <laughs> There's no mild case. It's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Because they don't want to give you credit. No, it's not that. It's going to be with me for the rest of my life. There's, there's no cure, but there is recovery. You once said to me, you told me once that, that every day, which is I'm going to lead into the next question, and I'm going to wrap up with that because I want to leave the audience with this. You said to me, even now that I can speak and I have my daily show, a few daily shows, I'm planning my coaching back again with people. Like you have a huge, so much plan and you're doing every day you're on air every single day, a few times a day you're on air right. talking every single day. Even when it was hard for you to say five words, you were on air. You were just on air. But you said to me, now I'm talking much faster and it, and it seems easier, but I do the same work every single day at 4 a.m. I get up and I start doing the work every single day. And it's going to be like this probably forever that you're going to forever. So that's grit. You know, uh, you have to make a decision. You uh, want to uh, practice till you somewhat get it right or practice till you never get it wrong. So what do you do every morning? I want them to hear what grit looks like when you want something badly. When you want something badly, this is what grit is. And Paul does it every single day, day in day out. And I saw it physically because I went to visit Paul in Florida and we saw his obstacle course that he built himself in the backyard and indoors. And he practices not only mentally, physically also. So tell them your routine. So the first thing I start with is prosody, flow, fluency, speed, intersyllabatic uh, pausing, timing, increasing speed, mineralizing to prosody, perfect memory, time without messing up equals accuracy. So that's what I start with. I say it over and over again, then I do my work. So today I was working on, I want to be able to communicate with all people for clarity, certainty, and understanding. I want to be able to communicate with all people, all people, all people, the buddy word, all people, all people, all people, to communicate with clarity, with clarity, with clarity, clarity, with clarity. I want to be able to communicate with all people with clarity. That's what I do for two and a half hours nonstop. Every morning, guys. Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. And he's okay. So you wake up at four. Say my affirmation. Say my creed. Pray. Do meditation and breathe, and get a little bite to eat, and then I do my work and my routine. Uh, I don't do the same routine two days in a row. That's the key. If you confuse the mind. It goes into curiosity state. It wants to know. The mind wants to know. 
It needs to know. If you do it the same way, like working out with weights, if you do the same routine, boring, the muscle memory takes hold and you don't build any muscle. If you alternate your strategies, daily alternate. Sometimes I'll work on the nine squared grid. Sometimes I'll work on a single phrase. Can you see some value in that? Can you see some value in then can you see some value in that? Work on it two hours so I can say it with clarity. So it just takes hard work. It takes, a, you're going to struggle a lot when you have aphasia. I believe if I had to gauge my practice sessions, I'm just creeping over 55% accuracy, 45% I still struggle. But that, if you look back a year ago, that was 20% with accuracy, 80% with struggle. I'm just trying to tilt the scales. What's your goal for 2021 in terms of serving the world and giving back? You know, um, I first have to take care of myself so I can give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life has become too complicated. Uh, when I had my stroke, I was running fast all over the world, and I have to simplify everything so and uh, I can see. see clearly, a, a great song, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. So I have to simplify everything so I can see. And when I finally accomplish that, I will be better able to state a clear vision. I know I'm going to teach for the rest of my life. Nobody can stop me from doing that because that's what God intended me to do. And he gave me a second chance at life. And I'm not going to turn a blind eye to something he chose to save me for. I believe God stroked me for something great. If I could get all the speech therapists together, uh, I have a vision of revolutionizing, I'm working on that word, revolutionizing the way we teach aphasia. When I talk to people that, oh, you don't have a a degree, I said, I, I don't. Well, I need to have somebody work with me that's uh, degreed. I said, you can do that. You can certainly do that. Have you ever heard anybody talk that couldn't say a word two and a half years ago that can talk like me that have a, had aphasia? But that's excuses again, Paul. I get that all the time. You're not a therapist. I'm not claiming to be a therapist. I'm just one that went through the road of recovery and I know what it takes. You want to work with me? Great. Exactly. And I I had somebody call me and said, I'm going to give you four weeks to train my daughter and I'm going to make a decision what I would pay you after the four weeks. I said, I'm going to make it easy for you. So I said, no, I'm going to train your daughter for a year free. And the parents said, oh, we can't do that. We have to know if it works. I said, you're the reason your daughter is not getting better. 
why she's sitting there waiting for you to make a decision about what's best for her. I can tell you, she wants to talk. And part of recovery that you said there's a difference between a cure and recovery. Recovery is by trying, not knowing beforehand if it's going to work or not. You try that path. You go down it. You try again. You try again. And you, if it doesn't work, you try a little bit differently. But people want the answers right away. How does it work? What's the secret? How, how fast? When? Uh, do the work. We'll end with this because I have another teaching session coming up at three. So uh, put your pen down. You have a pen? Put it down. Show me your hands. Try to pick it up. Without my hands? Try to pick it up. No, just try to pick it up. No, you picked it up. Try to pick it up. You either do or you don't. Cry rhymes with cry, rhymes with die. You have to pick it up. Resilience. You have, I don't care if you have to get a crane to pick it up. Pick it up. I just interviewed a guy, Brian, that his, um, he's a double amputee. Uh, he had meningitis when he was a little boy. And he said he woke up in the hospital without his legs when he was like four years old or something like that. He said obstacles to stop me was not an option. So I just learned how to overcome obstacles in my way. Now he's an athlete. My daddy used to say, and um, I, I would come in from raking their yard. And he said, uh, did you do your best? And I said, daddy, I tried. Go out and start over. Okay, now we know where you came from. <laughs> when you can come inside and say, I did my best. I didn't try to do my best. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I did my best. Thank you for your wisdom. I'm in the middle of reading Guy Raz from NPR. So he just came out with a new book of how I built this. And he talks about what it was like to interview thousands of entrepreneurs, hundreds or whatever entrepreneurs. And he said, you don't come up with an idea just because you're sitting and thinking, oh, I need to become a millionaire. When you're open for something that's curiosity and you keep on looking and moving, that's when it comes your way. That's true. I have to go, but I hope in some small way that I brighten your day a little bit. Thank you for listening. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. And Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Thank you.